This morning we'll be reading from Psalm 73, verses 1 through 16. <clears throat> Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with ambulance, abundance. <clears throat> they have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly, who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. So Sam Bible class, it is great to be here this morning, and when you're away from the brethren for some six weeks, you get desperate, and you think, oh, uh, so what, what else can be done to, to get back? And I'm glad, glad to be back, and again, thank you to everyone for all that has been done on behalf of the Gibson family. Know that you are in our prayers and very much appreciated. As we begin this morning, I invite you to turn to Acts 16. This is where our lesson will be taken from. I want to ask you, have you ever been in jail or prison? Most of us probably never have. I can recall one time doing some mission work in Jamaica, the flight over. I had become sick at my stomach and it allowed me, matter of fact, it was with our brother John Moore mentioning the announcements uh, I didn't get to ride in the, uh, un, uh, uh, how do I say this, no air-conditioned van. I got to ride in a car that had air conditioning. And I was like, pull over, pull over, I'm sick, I'm sick. And it kept being false alarms. Then we ended up in town. I said, pull over, this one's for real, you got to stop. And the only place available was a Jamaican jail. And I ran in there, and anyway, I just say, you don't ever want to be in a Jamaican jail, and I wasn't even locked up. I was just trying to find a restroom there. I thought, wow, this place is bad. The only other time is I had just graduated from Southwest School of Bible Studies and uh, went and was, uh, I believe, my second work, and they had a prison work every Sunday. So after morning services, such as this morning, you inhale your lunch and you take off to 
do uh, Bible teaching and studying at the prison for several hours. I don't mind telling you, I was scared to death. I was like, well, I'm not going to tell my elders no. They just said, come preach here. And, oh, man, I was like, what do I do? So someone recommended I call a fellow preacher that did prison work. And that's exactly what I did. I said, uh, I'm new. I'm young. I'm starting a prison work. And, and I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And this brother said, well, let me tell you, Brother Gibson. He said, get you a mechanical pencil. I said, do what? A mechanical pencil. What does that have to do with prison work? And I asked him, I said, what, what is that? He said, you're not allowed to take weapons in there. And if those prisoners get in a fight, they're probably going to fight each other. You just go to the wall and you get in the, the fetal position, crawl up, and you get that mechanical pencil out, and you get it in your hand. And if any one of them comes for you, go for the eye. And I thought, what in the world? I was not expecting that from a gospel preacher. Uh, and I think he probably was a lot wiser than I was understanding and enlightening the moment. But I promise you, when I heard those gates locked behind me, it was an eerie feeling. So I've never served time in, in terms of being a prisoner or an inmate, but even just being there, it, it, was, it was terrifying, and I don't mind telling you that. Now, the reason I've taken the time to do all this, what happens when we take something of, of that nature and carry it over, spiritually speaking? So while we may have never been in a Jamaican jail or a, a United States prison, I think it's safe to say that we have had our own prison encounters in our lives. Things overwhelming us so that we just feel trapped and that there's no hope and that there's no escape. And we think, how am I going to get out of this? As a matter of fact, some of you may be in that very position here this morning and that's why you're here. I can tell you, you're at the right place. Because here we're going to look at God's word and we're going to see some people that not only were they in a physical prison, but they were in this prison that was, again, squishing and and enclosing around them to the point of could they even breathe. You may even be wondering if God loves me, why is all of this happening to me? You may be thinking, am I living that bad? That punishment is upon me. People have all sorts of ideas and why and how these things work. Some of us have lost family members to COVID or to other things. Some of us have had COVID. Some of us know of dear friends. Some of us can't go see our loved ones right now. There's a lot going on in this world. And it's not just COVID, though that's the one that's getting the attention. If God really loves you, if he really loves me, then God, why are these things happening in my life? Brethren and friends, I don't know that I have all the answers to your questions. That's the honest truth from a human being. But what I do know is what we're going to study here in God's word this morning gives us encouragement. So if you are one of those that feels like uh, everything is enclosing and just upheaving and coming on top of you and drowning you, You're going to find some answers of how some people in the Bible dealt with it. And hopefully it will carry us and see us through. Have you ever thought that a prison encounter, a prison experience, being overwhelmed could actually be a blessing? Now, probably in the moment, we don't recognize it that way. But it could actually be a good thing. If you had told Paul and Silas, that's Acts 16, those are the main people we're going to be looking at. They are in prison. If you had told them that day 
in the evening hours what was going to happen and that they needed to rejoice. Maybe they would have laughed at you. Maybe they wouldn't have understood. Maybe they would have thought, man, you are one crazy fellow. But when the midnight hour loomed, they discovered what a glorious place a prison could be. And so this day, point number one, 16 through 24, the pain. Acts 16, 16 through 24, the pain. 25, verse A. That's the first part, the praise. And then we'll end this morning with 25B through 34, the product. So we have the pain, the praise, and the product. So let's begin in verses 16 through 24, the pain of their prison experience. And so let's read together 16 through 21 as we get the setting here. The Bible reads, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which, uh, which, show us on, which show us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when our master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being Romans all right 16 through 21 the setting these men are serving God they are being obedient to God do you find yourself there this morning Faithfully serving God to the best of your ability, working every day to be better than you were this day or the day before. That's what these guys are doing. They love God. They serve God. They want to be faithful to God. And where do they find themselves? In a big mess. We're going to see what develops here. Most of you already know. It is always a shock to the spiritual system when you suffer as a saint. Our brother Carson, he read Psalm 73. When y'all heard verses 1 through 16, did anyone go into panic mode? Think, well, that's half the sermon. It's not a long section in terms of the shortness of verses, and it wouldn't matter. Because look at what the psalmist is talking about there. Why do all these wicked people prosper? And I'm the one that's being persecuted, God. Why are these wicked people not having any issues? And I can't hardly crawl out of bed. The wicked prospering. Not always what we are doing determines the consequences. Paul and Silas are doing what they need to be doing. And the consequences of prison, probably not something they wanted. But what are you going to do with it? There are things that we do not have control over. And we fret about. There are things that we do have control over. And we rely on someone other than God and his word for the answers. Brethren, the challenge is before us. But we're not done because look in this pain here, the setting. Now look what happens to him in 22 and 23. And the multitude rose up together against him and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. You know, I've had my fair share of whoopings or whatever you want to call it. In my lifetime. I remember some of them. But it would be nothing compared to what we 
just read here. Beat them with many stripes. When prison experiences come, that's what I'm calling it this morning. Whatever is troubling us, they tend to beat us down. They tend to leave us in torment. And if you have not been there, you will be someday. Maybe you're not there because of your age. Maybe you're not there because of your age mentally or spiritually speaking. Understand that there is a right. Understanding that there is a wrong. And you're going to ask this question. And some of us have. Why? Why, God? Do you know what the answer to that question is? Why not? You ever thought about it that way? When we want to challenge God, not because we just don't believe in Him anymore, but we're struggling, we're hurting. Ask, why not? As we pass through this life, we can expect our fair share of challenges and difficulty. Job 14 and verse 1, Man that is born of a woman is full of trouble and of a few days. Our time on earth is but just a passage. We tend to forget that trials develop us into the image of His dear Son. Do you realize, brethren, this works in every other avenue? The automobile that you came in this morning, do you realize how much money and time and testing and trial has been put into that? Now, I realize, so, oh, these are junk cars, don't buy that one, whatever. But do you know how much has gone into making that vehicle so you could get here this morning? Those of you who like finer things, whatever that might be, we know in the Bible gold is used. What is the purest of gold? That which has been tried. Every aspect of life we are put to the test. And spiritually, it is no different. Now look at verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. We now have the sentence. These men were, and the word used is cast. Do you know what that means there? These men... Human beings, real people, were taken and they were thrown as you would something that you have no regard for. You know, you wash your hands at the kitchen sink, you get the kitchen towel, dry your hands, you just kind of toss it on the counter. Oh, well, if it lands on the floor, I get it later. Whatever that might. This is what they were doing with human life. To toss as if having no regard for these people. But we're not there. When they were tossed into the prison without any care, notice that it says the jailer then thrust. That's the same word as cast in the original. So it refers to the dungeon. Think about a dungeon. Dank, dark, dirty, discouraging. The last place you'd want to be. Very susceptible to illness if you didn't already get put in there with illness. They've been beaten, so you have all sorts of things that are going on. Physically speaking, infection, what's going to happen to them? Think of Joseph in the book of Genesis, beginning in chapter 37, and what was going on in his life. But we're not done yet with the pain, because look at verse 24. When having, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. As if these men had not already gone through enough. Let's recap. They had been beaten. They had been thrown into prison. They had been cast into the dungeon part of the prison. And now the jailer places stalks around their feet. It limits their mobility. They're not just going to get up and run around. So now they're in the mud. They're in the muck. They're in the mire. Brethren, the prison encounters of our lives serve to shut us down spiritually if we do not properly handle them. 
The devil is at work. God's purpose is to use us more for his glory. The devil is going to seize every opportunity to encounter us and to rob us of the very spiritual breath that God has given us. He wants us to neglect the word of God. He doesn't have to give us, he doesn't has not have to get us to give up on God or become an atheist. Just neglect, drift away, abandon, as we discussed in Bible class this morning. You think about that. The devil is working night and day to keep us suppressed in our trials to get discouraged. I have no doubt it's one of those fiery darts that is one of his greatest arrows to discourage us from being steadfast in the faith. It's not new to us in 1 Kings 19. Elijah, Elijah allowed a prison experience to cause quitting on God. Have you ever quit? Maybe you find yourself this morning in that position. Maybe you find yourself struggling. You find yourself in pain. Oh, you may not be beaten with stripes and thrust into the dungeon, physically speaking, but you feel like it. And you think, is there any hope? Where is my God? Why are you doing this to me? There's blessings to be found in the trials of life. And so with this, 25A, look at the praise in this prison. It says there, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. We may wonder how anyone in such a state could have the ability to even contemplate praising God in these circumstances. Usually if we find ourselves in a situation like this, we want all the attention on ourselves. Came across this once. It says this, it is clear your attitude and your circumstances determines your latitude in your circumstances. Attitude determines where we at before God Almighty. Now it says there, uh, and saying praises, excuse me, praying and saying praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. And at midnight. They did not start at midnight is my understanding, but the idea is they continued praying unto God. They continued singing unto God. They continued praising God's name even until that hour. Of midnight. And so we see that this praise involves supplication. Instead of pouting, instead of pitying themselves, oh, woe is me, they are praying. They rolled the burden onto the shoulders of the Lord. And isn't that exactly what the Bible tells us to do? To cast our cares, to cast our burdens upon the Lord, for he careth for you. This is a valuable lesson for us. Brethren, when we are in those prison encounters, when we are shut up in one of life's prisons, whatever it may be experienced, we need to call upon the Lord. Philippians 4 and verse 6, be careful in nothing, be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Well, does God already know what we need? Of course he does. But what does it do for us? It's kind of the why God and I say why not. Well, if God already knows, what does it do for us when we petition our Heavenly Father? Would to God that we would learn the lesson that prayer should be our first resort and not our last in the good and in the desolate times. If we could resort unto prayer, we would never retreat to worry. You think that doesn't even sound right. When you find yourself in trouble, it's time 
to begin praising God Almighty. Paul and Silas, were they in pain? Yes. Were they scared? Yes. Were they uncomfortable? Yes. Were they miserable? No doubt. Brethren, doesn't that define us at times? Isn't that us? We feel miserable, we hurt, we're in pain, whatever it may be. These are human beings. These are real people like us. They're discouraged. And what do they offer to us? They offer supplication. They went to God in prayer. That's what we need to do when we are locked down or feeling that way in prison encounters. But it also, look what it involved, singing. As they prayed before God, he began to lift their hearts. Soon they were filled with praise and they sing to God. Now, when I say God lifted their hearts, I don't mean something miraculous or mysterious was happening there. They understood that they were in trouble. They understood that they were afflicted and they knew what they needed to do to overcome, to survive the situation. When we see this truth, uh, we can look to the example of Job. As a matter of fact, turn over to Job chapter 1 and let's read verses 20 through 22. Job chapter 1, 20 through 22. What a prime example. Paul, another example of man that suffered great affliction. It says in Job 1, beginning of verse 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and he pouted. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see if y'all's jaws just hit the ground. Is that what your Bible says? Some bad things are happening. And what does Job do? It says, and he worshiped. Have you ever done that when you were overwhelmed? You think, what does worship have to do with this situation? How is it going to fix anything? Well, brethren, we've already read it twice this morning. And what people did in desperate situations to overcome. And verse 21, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So not only we have worship, we have the right perspective or the right attitude here. Job understands what is going on. Now, he struggles later on. Job is not Superman, Batman, or whoever your hero is. Because he gets ruled down. Well, wouldn't you? You lost your livelihood, you lost your, your family, your children, your friends, your wife. You're now afflicted yourself. Your own health is in jeopardy. That would put a man in a prison, wouldn't it? And he did. And he challenges God a little bit. And God, he gets after him with some questions and talks about his creative power to reassure Job and to pick him up. And so the answer again in our encounters is to turn back to God and remember him and his power and his promises in verse 22, and all this Job sinned not. And that's power right there. That's powerful. But look at the second phrase there. Nor charged God foolishly. The next time we have one of these encounters, or if we're in one of those this morning, brethren, please never foolishly charge God. God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. And we learn in our Bibles that, uh, that God had purposed this before he even created this world. That just amazes me. I think about that almost every day. He had already put a plan in place. 
course, to get out of those encounters and to be able to worship God, we need to repent of our sins. Jesus himself said, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Luke 13, verses 3 and verse 5. Paul tells us that we need to confess. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, Romans 10 and verse 10, confession is made unto salvation. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And so there are some requirements so that when we are in this experience, when we're going through these trials, when we're on that rough road to be able to worship God, we need to be a child of God. And so you need to ask yourself, are you a child of God this morning? Have you done those things that the Bible teaches us to do to be in a right relationship so that you can worship God? When you are beaten, when you are battered, when you are thrust into prison. They went to God in prayer and that is what we need to do when we find ourselves in the same position. Again, our attitude in our circumstance determines our latitude in our circumstance. In this singing and mentioning of Job, later on in Job chapter 2 verse, verse 8 We see Job sitting in a pile of ashes. And he's scraping himself with broken pottery. I read this one time. Where did those ashes come from? In other words, did he just burn some stuff so he could add some ashes? Someone, uh, uh, again, suggested to me, I wonder if those ashes perhaps, because we learn in Job chapter 1 and verse 5, that he was making sacrifices not only for him, but for his family. He is locked up in a prison. Paul is locked up. Silas is locked up. But you know what, brethren? Their mind, their heart, if you will, is free to praise God Almighty. We are only limited in worshiping our God or praising, worship, praising, same, by what we allow our minds to be bound by. Anyone can praise God when all is well in their life. But it takes great faith to worship God, to praise his name when the bottom falls out from under us. I know that's slang, but hopefully we understand what that means. When that rug is pulled out, you ever seen someone pull a chair out from behind someone? That's kind of scary sometimes. Sometimes it's funny if nobody gets hurt. We get the idea here, right? When we exhibit the greatest faith and strength in God is when we are in our greatest trials, if if you understand what I'm getting. If you really want to gauge the depth of your commitment, it's not being in services here this morning. Now, I'm not taking away from that, but it is gauged and your love is measured in how you react when there's pressure in your life. That is where it will really be seen in what is in you. Have you ever noticed this? When someone is ill, when someone (coughs) is sick, and we pray to God, what is our prayer for them? We want them to get better, don't we? That is always our prayer, and rightfully so. The Bible commands for us to pray for the sick. But I want us to think, and I was presenting this to the students last week, what happens when that person doesn't get better? What are our prayers then? What happens when that person dies? What is our prayer to God? 
Now, obviously, comfort for the family. But what I want to ask ourselves is, are we still praising God? Because he didn't give us our desired outcome. We wanted them to live. We want them to get healthy. We want them to return to their rightful place. And God, you didn't answer my prayer. Why? What's the answer? Why not? We have to be careful with these things. It can be tough to praise God when we do not have our desired outcome. But we have to remember that our God is a consistent God. And that his promises will be carried out. His promises will be meted out. And we must remain consistent ourselves in the good, the not so good, and even the bad. Praising our awesome God. Then we finally see the product of the experience in 25 through 34. Their time in prison is not wasted. God uses these events as I'm convinced he does all events for his own glory. So watch what... Watch what happens here. In verse 25, we've looked at it a couple times. That last phrase, the prisoners heard them. You ever thought, you're just reading through your Bible. Why does the Bible tell us that? We see a proving of their faith, or it proved their faith here in 25b. It tells us that the prisoners heard. The verb there means to hear. I never say, I always want to say attentively. I know that's not right when he's already shaking Attentively. I think I got it right there. But anyhow, these listeners are listening with great intent. They're listening closely. Perhaps the first time they've ever heard a song to God or a prayer unto the Almighty. Maybe they've never heard anything like this before. Here are two old boys beaten to a pulp. They are locked, their feet thrust into the inner part of the prison, the nastiest place. And they are still able to praise God. No, brethren, I've heard some mumbling and some grumbling when the air conditioner wasn't on in a church building on a Sunday morning. Or when we have this hot, cold weather and trying to figure out, do I turn on the heat or do I turn on the air? Now, I'm not saying people are always evil about it, but sometimes you scratch your head and say, are they serious? These prisoners were hearing something perhaps they had never heard. What a challenge to the church. Think about the challenges that we're facing today. Brethren, well, it's been a couple, few years ago, but I, I heard Christians ridiculing elders in a congregation because the elders were encouraging the congregation to boycott a major company that had become a major advocate for homosexuality. The elders did not say you cannot do this or do that. They just said, we encourage you to be mindful of what this company is doing. And if you can, do your shopping somewhere else you would have thought that those elders were holding a machine gun to someone's head and saying, you are going to do it this way or that way. We're experiencing it a little bit in the church with the COVID and some of the decisions. Imagine being an elder in the Lord's church right now, having to make decisions on behalf of the congregation, what is the safest route, but continuing to worship God and do the things that the church needs to do in a lost and dying world. We need to be upholding their arms, praying for them, encouraging them. And I'm not trying to get brownie points because they're sitting in the audience this morning. I'd say it regardless because the elders have just as grave a responsibility to protect us and feed us with the word of God and watch for our souls. What would it be if we were in prison? Let me ask you this morning, are there any Pauls in the room? Are there any Silas's in the room that are willing to praise God even in their moment of despair? 
The world is watching you go through your prison encounter. Think about this. As they watch you, they could care less about your joy. Now, what I mean by that is they're happy for you. Okay, everything's going fine when things are all well. But just let a tragedy come in your life. Let something bad happen in your life. And then they are all eyes and all ears. How do I know that? Next time you go to HEB and you're standing in the checkout line, see what the magazine articles are about. When you get out of services here in a little bit, get your phone, go to any search engine and see what the latest news is. If you don't do any of that at five o'clock this afternoon, turn on the news. Do they do that on Sundays? I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a news channel somewhere. And you tell me what the news is. Human beings have a tendency to be like buzzards. Find the awfulest thing going on in people's lives and let the world know. That's not Christianity. And so they're watching and they want to see how you are going to respond while you are in the valley. They don't care when you're on the mountain. They want to see what you're going to do when you're down in the valley. Brethren, this morning, in truth, can we say my God is real? My faith is real. My relationship with God is real. Are we just going through the motions? Church is just something we do on Sundays. And Monday is back to routine again. God needs to be our life. In verse 26, it produced their freedom. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. As they worshiped God, he shook the prison. The bands break asunder. We just read that. But notice they're still in the prison. I don't know about you, but I think if a prisoner had an opportunity to escape, they would do it in a heartbeat. Well, how do you know that, Gibson? Well, I think there's like two or three fences and wires and electricity and and sensors. And there's actually people with guns that will shoot you if you try and escape. That tells me that prisoners would escape if they had the opportunity. Well, here they are, free to go. And what happens? Instead of bolting for freedom, they're right where God had placed them. A joyful heart in the midst of difficulty, as our Bible shows us here. And the bands are loosed. Do you see where we're going with this this morning? I'm not going to say God's going to do a miracle, but in the middle of that prison, we see saints walking in victory. And I want us to know this morning that we as the children of God, we as saints, brethren, we can have victory. When life belches fire, we can quench it when God is on our side. 27 through 34. Now here's the neat part. We see a purchased family. Read with me if you will. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Now this is real life. The penalty for this guard, death. And you have a prisoner telling the guard, whoa, 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 hold on, wait just a minute. We're all here. It's okay. Now, Paul is beaten and battered, thrust in prison. We have, I've said that numerous times this morning. And now he's encouraging the guard. Keep reading with me, if you will. Verse 29. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How do two men going against the days of someone making profit off of someone, speaking against it, 
held on trial, beaten, thrust in prison, feet, <coughs> excuse me, in stocks, and now they're going to teach somebody the gospel. Isn't that remarkable? Do you find that amazing there, what is going on? A lot of people would have been, how am I going to get out of this mess? How am I going to escape? Am I going to die? God, why are you doing this to me? And they are worshiping God in song and in prayer. They're reassuring the guard. And he asks, what must I do to be saved? We'll come back to that. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. We're not waiting here. We're not delaying. So you have these people, these prisoners, they're loose now. That would be a concern of the guard. That's his livelihood. That's his family. And now the gospel has been taught and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. Now the stripes, whose stripes are washed away? The prisoners or the jailer? Just something to think about. And when he had brought them into his house, he sat meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. The jailer, and not only the jailer, his family Hear the gospel and obey. The great change that comes over the jailer. So look at verse 33 again. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. Go back to verse 24. Receiving such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. What caused the change in that man? Did he care about those prisoners? Don't know. But he did what he was commanded. The affliction endured by two faithful servants of Christ. Used by God to open the mind. To open the heart of a pagan. And to bring not only that pagan. But his family to obedience. Now brethren that's something special. That's something amazing. That's something wonderful for two guys. That were probably within an inch of their life. All because of the power of God's word. How did these two know to sing? How did these two know to praise God in their desperate situation? The word. God's word. We may never know this side of eternity what the prison experiences of our own lives are doing to those that are around us. During World War II, Dr. Victor Frank was imprisoned by the Nazis because he was a Jew. Not only was he in prison, but his wife, his children, and his parents were murdered in the Holocaust. At one point, the prison guards went and they cut the wedding, be- wedding band excuse me, off of his finger to steal it from him. What are you going to do if you're in that situation? This was his response. You can take away my wife and children. That's, that's hard right there. You can strip me of my clothes and my freedom, but there is one thing no person can ever take away from me, and that is my freedom to choose how I will react to what happens to me. I hope, brethren and friends, some small way you've seen that in this message here this morning. We are all going to suffer. Christian or not, we are going to experience pain. And here we have the secret to successfully surviving these encounters. 
What are you facing that is so bad this day that you would shake your fist at God or spit in his face and leave this room without rendering obedience to the one who sent his only begotten son? For those of us that are Christians and know that we need to change, you need to stop this morning shaking your head at God, questioning God, and understand that he loves us. Wouldn't you like to walk away in victory? knowing that you can overcome your prison experience. Christian or not, again, we are going to suffer. Here's the question. Are we going to praise or are we going to pout? How you respond will determine the product or your outcome. Before us looms over the horizon, before us looming over the horizon is a judgment of God. And we need to ask ourselves, am I prepared to meet my God? If you are not, and we can help you this morning, please come while we stand and while we sing.